What's going on, everybody? Welcome into a Wednesday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris. Glad to be with you. Mark will be along after a little while. Drew will also be here tonight. John Grenard will also be here later tonight. Uh, and with Drew, of course, we've got to finish part four of our ultimate draft. In the lab's ultimate draft, we close up shop. And Mr. Irrelevant is a New York Jet Hall of Famer. Now, you may not hear all of it. You're going to have to go get the podcast. But we'll play a snippet for you tonight on the show in our final segment. But we, tonight, boy, do we have a boatload of news that we've got to dive into that I'm going to dive into. And it's almost like rat a tat 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 Just like one thing after the next, and it seemed to all hit about it like an hour, hour and a half apart, seemingly. So, yesterday we know that franchise tags were doled out in the NFL, and there were a number of guys that got franchise tags that I was like, I get that little doghead turned like, huh, I didn't think they were going to do that, and then they did. So, uh, there were a few that were just like Allen Robinson. I did not see that one coming and I it makes sense it makes perfect sense so I can't say I was like shocked or surprised but I just thought man the Bears have got some other things they've got going on I don't know that I can see them putting a franchise tag down and it's about 17 and a half 18 million dollars so Allen Robinson was a little bit of a surprise so is the other Robinson Cam Robinson been a lot of talk about the Jaguar offensive line and I thought, man, okay, the Jags, potential getting offensive lineman with that second pick in the draft that they have, courtesy of the Jalen Ramsey trade. Okay, they get a tackle. Nope, they tagged Cam Robinson. The Buccaneers tagged Chris Godwin. The Washington football team for the second year in a row, Brandon Sheriff, Leonard Williams, got the tag in New York with the Giants. Second year, Marcus May got a tag with the Jets. Taylor Moten. Justin uh, Tackle with the Panthers, Justin Simmons with the Broncos of safety, and Marcus Williams was another one. Here the Saints are $60 million over the cap, and they put a franchise tag on Marcus Williams. Interesting. It's going to be around $11.2 million, so it's not earth-shattering for for a team that's $60 million over the cap. Uh, It's significant, which has forced the Saints to do some things like Get rid of Emmanuel Sanders. He announced on his Instagram today, which I guess that's what players are doing now, that he has been released. Now, you notice I did not say the Houston Texans. The Texans did not franchise a player. What we were all looking at was Will Fuller. Will Fuller will be on the market after a star-crossed wreck. I don't know the right way of saying it. Look, Will was a really is a really, really good receiver, and I wanted to keep him. And I hope that there is some way, shape, or form that the Texans can talk with his agent, bring him back. Because I think from 2016 through 2020, the improvement that Will made, my goodness, but ended, unfortunately, after that Detroit game due to the suspension. So he will be out of the market. Now, if you want to play the market game with Robinson, Allen Robinson, and uh, Chris Godwin off the market because of franchise tags... It just opens up a few more opportunities, I would imagine, for Will Fuller. Kenny Galladay did not get a tag. Juju, Smith, Juju Smith-Schuster did not. Will did not. 
So you've got teams out there with receiver needs. They'll satisfy someone in the draft, but I would imagine there'll be a market for those three receivers. So that was news. That was kind of yesterday, but it was near the end of the show, and so I wanted to make sure we hit that. So then, let's move forward to today. And let's start with the announcement of the Texans coaching staff. Finally announced today. Now I say finally. We've just been waiting for it just to, I don't want to say put names with faces because we haven't even seen the faces, to be honest with you. A lot of the names we already knew, if not all of them. Now, there are a few um, defensive assistants, offensive assistants that might be uh, new in some way, shape, or form or ones we hadn't heard. There are a couple of them on here that I had not heard we're in the building, but they are. Ilir Imini, a defensive assistant, Robert Kugler, who I believe is the son of Sean Kugler, longtime offensive line coach in the NFL, was head coach at UTEP for a while. He's also an offensive assistant. Um, and then there are new names, but they've been out and about, I guess, because they've been reported by Aaron Wilson or somebody nationally. Guys like Robert Prince taking over as wide receivers coach. Uh, Dino Vasso. Uh, with the cornerbacks, Greg Jackson, who's coached for a long time, coached with the Cowboys, I think back in 2016, 2017, somewhere in that range, uh, he'll coach the safeties, and I believe he had been at Michigan. But a couple of names now made official. Pep Hamilton will coach quarterbacks, and he will be the passing game coordinator to the offensive coordinator, Tim Kelly. I think we had talked about that a lot of times with the general, John McClain, and that is, in fact, what they're going to do Tim Kelly offensive coordinator Pep Hamilton as the passing game coordinator and quarterbacks. Lovey Smith is officially a defensive coordinator. He's also the associate head coach, and his son Miles will coach linebackers. So it's a little smaller staff as I look at it now. Um, and I think there's probably a few more like quality control guys that might be uh, added to the mix in due time. But new defensive coordinator Lovey Smith. Uh, same offense coordinator, Tim Kelly, new special teams coordinator, and that's going to be Frank Ross uh, as he takes over for Tracy Smith as Tracy and Carl Smith both went back to Seattle uh, to coach with Pete Carroll. So just a few of the highlights there. Pep Hamilton, passing game coordinator and quarterbacks. Lovey Smith, assistant head coach and defensive coordinator. And one I didn't mention, and I know this was one that as I've been kind of out and about doing my thing, living my life, and people will say, what are Texas going to do about the offensive line? What are they going to do about the offensive line? Well, they went out and got James Campen. Now, that had been reported about two, three weeks ago, maybe. But now it's official James Campen taking over as the offensive line coach for your Houston Texans. Excited to see this staff all come together and see what it can do for David Culley. Now, David Culley will meet with the media tomorrow. Uh, I think he's going to meet with the entire organization, uh, that being us, early in the morning. And I think he's going to meet with the media, Houston media, some national media, I guess, uh, in the afternoon or early afternoon. So that'll be out there as well. So a lot of things going on with uh, David Culley announcing the staff today for the Houston Texans. And one final thing as it pertains to the staff, Romeo Cronell will serve as the senior advisor for football performance. And I can say I'm not familiar with that term or that title, but I don't care. 
either way, it's Romeo Cornell is going to assist in any way possible, whether it's assisting David Culley, whether it's assisting Lovey Smith, whether it's to be there as you know a confidant for the players. I like I love it that Romeo can stay around the building. I think it's great. I love having Romeo in this building, and I'm glad that he can and the Texans have found a role for Romeo Cornell. The last bit of news is one that hits just, uh, just it's hard in the gut. But it's that time of year, and we've talked about it a lot, that there are going to be a lot of names that guys were Texans. We got used to seeing them for a long time. In fact, going into the 2020 year, the two players that were the most tenured Texans were J.J. Watt, now at the Arizona Cardinals, and John Weeks released today. Now, that has not, I don't believe, been made official, but that has been uh, that has been put out there by a number of reliable sources. A lot of people reporting that, that John Weeks' long snapper uh, is moving on. Would like to continue to play, and I would love to see John play. He, I thought he was fantastic. And I tell a story all the time about Weeks. My first game down on the sidelines in 2014. Now, Weeks and I got to be pretty close. Um, but in 14, we really, really didn't know each other. And I've been down on the sidelines many, many times. So I'm aware of a lot of things going on. Maybe some other people aren't, but the first game against Washington and I'm going down to the other side of the field and I just wasn't quite totally paying attention. I was looking at something that was happening kind of near the, the, the back of the bench and whether I needed to report on something or not. And I turned back around. And I'm telling you, about an inch from my face was a Weeksy fastball snap. And I'm telling you, if that thing hits me in the nose, I'm out. I'm, I'm just out. But I felt it zoom by my face, and I kind of looked at him. And he kind of had this, this sly smile on his face like, yeah, uh, pay attention, bro. And uh, he got my attention. And from that point, we never had... Uh, another incident like that, but I had to learn very, very quickly. And we talked over the years that, uh, you know, that, that warning uh, was, was intentional to make sure that I got it. But love Weeksy, wish him the best. Uh, his wife and his family are just tremendous. And we're going to miss him here in Houston. And hopefully at some point, you know, down the road when, um, you know, he's ready to sit in that proverbial football rocking chair and, and hang him up. Uh, hopefully uh, the, the Texans will be able to, to celebrate uh, his long career and what he did for the Texans, which was no bad snaps. No bad snaps. Hashtag no bad snaps as it pertains to Weeksy. But John gets a chance to move on. The Texans uh, now are looking for a long snapper. And over the next week or so, it gets really interesting. Players coming, players going. Justin Britt is coming. John Weeks is going. And it's going to be happening for the next how many ever weeks. Man, it's going to be crazy. And, oh, by the way, salary cap, I don't know if it's become official, but it was reported that salary cap is going to be at $182.5 million, which if you're trying to kind of figure out, okay, where does that leave the Texans? Well, if you tack on $11 million in cap carryover from the previous year, that puts the Texans at about one ninety four cap-wise. In essence... There's about they're 32 million or so right now under the cap, so not horrible, not the highest, but it, there's there's some money there to work with um, as it pertains to signing players, free agents, etc. So uh, we'll keep an eye on all of that. 
over the next week or so as we get towards the new league year, which starts a week from today. That's crazy. New league year starting March 17th, a week from today. The tampering period will start a couple days prior to that, uh, Monday of next week. So a lot of things going on that we'll keep our eyes on. But those are the things that are happening right now in the Texans world. All right, coming up next... John Grenard joined Mark Vandermeer and myself, and I will say it's one of the most fun interviews that we've done with a Texan, not just this year, not just the last couple years. I'm talking from the beginning. He is excellent. John Grenard joins Mark and myself next on Texans All Access. Welcome to Texans All Access. We are brought to you in part by AWS. Behind every incredible play are thousands of data points you might otherwise miss, such as a player's speed, field location, and movement patterns. The NFL uses AWS to process this large and complex data in real time. It's called next-gen stats, and with AWS machine learning and artificial intelligence technology, the NFL has developed ways to uncover deeper insights and expand the fan experience by offering a broader range of advanced stats and visualizations. Visit nextgenstats.nfl.com for all things stats. Next-gen stats powered by AWS. Now here's the show. Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, soon to be joined by my good friend Mark Vandermeer. But it's time for our interview with outside linebacker, defensive end, edge player, second-year guy, John Grenard. Had an awesome, awesome time talking with John Grenard. And Mark started right off the bat with that question. Which is it? Outside linebacker, or are you? Uh <laughs> <laughs> Where are we going in 2021? Do you even know yet? Welcome, by the way. It's great to have you. Man, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. And I don't know. I mean, like I said, I'm just waiting. When they give me the call, I'm just going to continue to work out and, and stay in shape and, and be ready for whatever they want me to do. What's it all like right. this offseason, though, getting ready, Jonathan? Like all the workout routine you have to go through. Uh, it's COVID still. It's a little strange. How is it going for you this offseason? I think it's a little bit more relaxed and more the nerves are out of it a little bit more. Um, I got the season on my belt. I kind of started training earlier with uh, Mike Eubanks, uh, our strength coach, earlier last year um, prior to the season. So I kind of got a feel for him, a feel for the whole staff. So now when, it, when I go to work out, I feel more comfortable. And I kind of I feel that he understands my body, knows where I want to be. And we're on the same page. So I, and the other guys are in there as well, so it makes it that much better. And how much further along, just the fact that, Jonathan, you know where the cafeteria is, you know where the weight room is. You know right. where you know where everything is. Right. And so instead of having to think about all that stuff, it's just kind of rote memory. How much has that helped you in the year that you've been here? Tremendously. Um, I think the main thing about that, because I'm, I'm a person that once I see it once or two times or get kind of get a feel for it, and I'm, I'm ready to go. So um, going to the facility now where I can just go get my shape, you know, go get in the cold tub and get in a routine. And, and, and now you're really a truly a professional. That rookie, you're still a professional, but at the end of the day, you're still – kind of just you're a chicken with his head cut off in a sense. You're trying to just make sure that you're doing everything 100 miles an hour while also trying to keep your poise and make sure that you're doing the right thing and not missing anything. So um, that's a huge part that I definitely uh, uh, took advantage of coming into this season. Though. I want to take you back to last year because it was about a year ago that the world stopped and changed and COVID came in and you were going through all your pre-draft stuff and a lot of it was normal up until that point. How did it change for you after that up until the time you got drafted? Yeah, um, it was like, I think, 
I was done with the, uh, with, with Combine. Um, so, you know, that whole week, mm-hmm. right? I think it was like uh, February-ish, March-ish in that area of time. Yeah. And I know a lot of my, my other buddies, you know, teammates and stuff like that, they were going to their, their, their visits and stuff. And I know right then and there, I wasn't able to go to my visits because literally after I just talked to one of my boys who had a visit, they shut everything down. So mm-hmm. um, it kind of – it didn't really change things for me because I kind of didn't know what to expect in a sense. So I kind of just waiting on, you know, the phone calls and – emails, whatever the case of our communication would be, I was just waiting on that. And it kind of, when it, when it, it hit us hard and shut everything down, I kind of was kind of nervous that we wouldn't even have a season. So um, when, when they kind of maneuvered their way around it, you know, kept in contact, made it uh, most fitting for us to be more comfortable in those situations. Uh, it, was, it was cool. I just wanted to get to the football part. I was tired of doing the little tests that take three hours or, you know, I have to point to this guy, see what he's doing. I was like, okay, am I really here to play football? Am I here to like just be able to play on tablets all day? So, um, but that was cool. I mean, when, once we got through that part and then they kind of gave us a little date where we're going to be going in for camp and uh, working out and also with, with practices, that kind of made everything a little bit more smoother. John, did you have any idea it was going to be the Texans? Because I know in a normal draft environment, there's a lot of talking among yeah. scouts out on the road and coaches and all that kind of stuff. And so things leak and people talk. Right. Did you have any idea that it was going to be the Texans? Um, well, they were definitely in my uh, got teams that I knew that were interested because I met with them at the Senior Bowl um, yeah. and basically went through the whole film, you know, their the interviewing process. And I think I did really well there. But I also, you know, kind of didn't – I didn't like want to hold on too much to the, the interviews or what they might say because at the end of the day, this is keep it real. We all know that they're telling the next guy somewhat the same thing they're telling you. Uh, yeah. So I don't want to get my hopes up too high, but I also knew that I was they were interested because they took the time out to even interview me. So I was very thankful for that. Um, but I kind of had no idea. I mean, draft night coming up, um, I had a, a couple of teams that, you know, me and my agent kind of felt pretty confident about. Um, but when uh, the third round was about to end, I was like, okay, well, it looks like I'm about to wait till you know, uh, ne- the next day, you know, fourth round, fifth round, and so on. Um, and then as soon as I seen her name come down, I think that we had the 90th pick. We were on 87 or 88, you know, on the draft ticker. It kind of shows. Yeah. And, I, and as soon as I seen it and they came up and said, Houston, I said, wow, I forgot about Houston. As soon as I said I forgot about Houston, I get a phone call. So, yeah. and, 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 and the rest is history. Well, Jonathan, we know that last year wasn't the year we wanted. But what did you learn that you can take with you moving forward that will help you for the rest of your career, at least in the immediate future anyway? Yeah, that's, that's one of the main things that I think people don't necessarily see from the outside. I mean, of course, yeah, we, we didn't get our, the result we wanted. We, no one wants to go 4-12, and 12, of course not. Um, but the lessons that you learned throughout that, that whole time, you know, being with vets and how they handle those situations, seeing how guys react, you know, during the losing season. You know, some people that are, were on this team never been a part of a losing team, you know, uh, mm-hmm. or never missed playoff. Who knows what the situation was. So it was a bit of adjustment for everyone. Um, and obviously just for the coaching change as well. I mean, I, I dealt with a coaching change when I was at Louisville when Coach Petrino uh, got fired. So, and it was kind of mid-season as well. So kind of, I was kind of used to it in a sense. Um, but seeing people who haven't gone through that, it kind of made us all closer and, and understanding we're all going through this together. So as much as it kind of seemed, you know, on the outside that, you know, things weren't working here, things weren't working there, we all surprisingly were somewhat still working in it together. I mean, it just things weren't – we had bad luck. We, we, things weren't going our way. You know, as you see in this one possession, bad snap, you just name it. Everything happened that, that, that you can – you can't even write it. So um, the worst things happened at the wrong, wrong times, and I think it was good for us just to learn from it because um, now we know what it's like to be there, and we, now we've got to work that much harder to get from it. 
So everybody in the NFL will have a, a rookie campaign, no matter how it goes, right. John, and yours will be different from everybody else's. Right. But did you at any point have this kind of welcome to the NFL moment? Like, Oh, okay. All right. I guess I'm here now. Did you have that moment at any point? I, I, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I had, I had a moment. Um, it was the, I mean, it was kind of a couple of me. Obviously you got Kent where you, your dog tired and you're going against the ones. Yeah. And that was my first time going against, you know, uh, Laramie and, and, yeah. and Titus and seeing that these are the top notch guys that are paying in these leagues to, to, to protect the moneymaker. And, um, they welcomed me a couple times in practice, and I, that's why I like going against them a lot in practice because I want to go against the best of the best. Um, but actual in-game experience, I would definitely have to say uh, I hit Nick Chubb one time, and, you know, even though he probably didn't see me, I still hit him pretty good uh, in the backfield. I felt it more than he did, and I know for a fact that he kind of – and anybody knows who watches or plays Nick Chubb, he doesn't talk any trash. He doesn't say anything. So – when you run a guy over like that, when you hit him like that, you're expecting him to kind of, you know, either look at you crazy or say something back. I mean, that man literally got right back up and walked right back to the huddle. And I was just like, so I got to do this over and over again. And this guy's still going to be coming back 100%. So um, that was definitely my welcome to the NFL moment. And I, I definitely will never forget that. Jonathan, we don't know what the defense is exactly going to look like, but if right. you have to play with your hand on the ground all the time and be more right. of a defensive end, how do you feel about doing that on a more full-time type basis? Yeah, I have no problem with it. Um, whether I'm standing up, hand in dirt, I mean, like I said, I really just want to be um, – just just want to play. Just let me um, – just tell me what I need to do. I can go out there, execute, and do that 100%, 100% not have us thinking too much. And from that point on, I think you all will see the results play because once we get into a comfortable system – that kind of fits everyone and, you know, just lets everybody play um, to their abilities and, and, and within the system as well. Um, I think that makes everyone play faster. So for, to answer your question, yeah, I definitely I, – I love the idea of it, to just have my hand in the dirt and go um, and just play ball. You know, playing on the other side of the line of scrimmage is what I do best. So um, hopefully we can get that done. John, a lot of people know that I was really excited about you joining the Texans. I mean, you and I had met at the Senior Bowl, and I was really yeah. impressed. And in fact, right before you were selected, Mark asked me who I thought we should pick. And right. I said, you, I called my shot. So I, I uh, you know, your success shines bright on me. I'm very happy about that. Right. But one of the reasons that I, you know, sort of fell in love with your game is I saw this, this thing on SEC Network. And I think it was maybe John Stinchcomb or Matt Stinchcomb mm -hmm. came. And you guys talked pass rushing yeah, for yeah, about yeah. eight to ten minutes. Yeah. And as I listened to you, I realized, okay, this guy isn't just trying to run around blocks. Right. He's actually setting guys up. There's an art to pass rush. There's a science to pass rush. Where did that love for it really kind of evolve? And how does your cerebral uh, – how does the cerebral part of it kind of work for you as a pass rusher? Right. Um, my, not many people know I didn't start playing defensive end until, like, my junior senior year of high school. And I only came in playing third down. So I kind of just knew how to just run past people. And I knew one move was the side swipe. And, and that's kind of – where that took off there. My D-line coach, uh, Coach Halberts back in Hiram, Georgia, um, he pretty much taught me the entire game about D-line. I mean, I never knew anything about, you know, setting the edge, you know, reach blocks. I knew I never knew anything about that. I played running back and, and linebacker all my life. So that's kind of – I stayed uh, off the ball or in the backfields running the ball all my life. So um, tramping, uh, transforming and going to, uh, to University of Louisville, and now I'm playing outside linebacker, you know, and I'm standing up. Now I have to learn a whole new way to play out, uh, play defensive end. This is a different form. Now I'm standing up. Now I have to be able to drop and coverage and do this and that. So it was all just learning. But the thing I liked about it most is that, you know, these are guys who play – there's so many great guys who play to this position. Um, and, and, and those guys are technicians, the fundamentalists. And, and that's the part that I liked about it because a 
lot of guys at defensive end, period, aren't the most athletic guys. And that's like myself. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not athletic, but just keeping it real, we're not – I'm not a Miles Garrett walking out there that's going to give you a, a, a 50-inch vertical and stuff like that. You know, it, it takes science, and everybody has their own – um, their own way about pass rushing. They have their niches in the in, in the game that they know that they can attack somebody. They know what they're really good at. And that's what I had to learn this year was what am I really good at? What am I what can I excel at this? And then I could build from there. So once I, I broke it down and, and made it not so much physical and like you said, make it more of a craft and mental and, and really hone in on your craft, that's when I really started to see the results and feel that okay, now I'm excelling and, and, and I'll eventually get to where I want to be. I have a long way to go, but definitely I like where I'm where I'm starting. Jonathan, we know you haven't had too much interaction with uh, Coach Cully yet. It's so early in the offseason. But what are your early impressions of the new head coach? Yeah, uh, I seem, like I said, I met with him uh, last week um, during the workout. Um, he came and met with a couple guys and they're just showing his face. I believe he just got his workout done not too long before that. So um, he stays in shape. You know, he looks like an upbeat guy. Um, definitely well-respected around the league. And I know a lot of people, even my agents and, um, you know, teammates in the past, you know, been with him. They say, you're going to love him. He's a great guy. He's a guy that's going to basically be there for the players, and, and, and he wants to win. And that's, I think that's what we all don't want to forget is that ultimately at the end of the day, we can have fun and, 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 and build a culture and stuff like that, but we also want to win. So um, when, we, when it breaks down to that point and when the camps gets there and, and we see how things are rocking when, when pressure gets to it, I'll be ready to see it. I'm ready for it. John, you mentioned a little while ago you've been working with Mike Eubanks. Yes. And I know when you, you ask a play, we ask players this a lot of times, and you ask them what they're working on, they're like, well, everything. And, <laughs> and that's true. You are working on everything. But is there a particular focus this offseason heading into 2021? Now that you got all the rookie stuff behind you, right. you just focus on being a football player, not a tester. Is there anything in particular that you want to work on to get ready for this next year? Yeah, and I, I made it uh, two things, really. One is my flexibility. Um, not just, you know, just your regular stretching your hamstrings, stuff like that, but just a lot of – you know, ankle mobility, um, a lot of knee flexibility. A lot of people don't know about that. You know, like toes. People don't understand how, how much a big toe matters in the game. Um, just no matter how you low, all the things that, you know, are, are key um, key features in this game that you have to have um, are, are the small things and workouts that you have to do. Not just so much, you know, going in there and squatting a, a million pounds or benching a million pounds and all that. It's, it's a little small thing. So I would say stretching and um, single, leg, single leg explosion um, it's helpful a lot in this game just because, you know, this game is, is changing. You got running backs that are juking with their knees on the ground. You got Lamar, his knee is pretty much on the ground juking and stuff like that. So, you know, things like that you have to be ready for. And I think that uh, they, they do a really good job there to, to hone in on those details because they know that uh, in this game you have to be more flexible. The more flexible you are, the more accessible you are, and the longer you play in this game. See, I learn something new every day. The big toe is an important thing. And, Johnny, you never told me that, so I'm really upset about, you know, your I, lack of big toe knowledge or at least spreading two, that to me. I ran a 5240. I mean, my big toe <laughs> yeah. didn't matter. I big toe was going to behind you. <laughs> big, big toe wasn't going to make me any faster, Mark. I can promise you that. Oh, boy. Uh, Jonathan, how do you – what do you do to tune out the noise or whatever? How do you react to it? How do you stay away from it and keep focused on what you need to do, the noise outside the team, media, fans, whatever it might be? Right. I mean, I, people, if people know me, I'm a homebody. I like to sit, sit at the house. You know, if, if, I don't have, if I don't have anything to do, that's my vacation. You know, mm -hmm. people want to say, why don't you go out of here? Go out. Look, I don't have any obligations here right now, so this is my vacation. I can sit at the house, watch TV, you know, going there, take a jog, walk my dog and stuff like that. But I don't have to be out much places in order for me to enjoy my time. So I'm a homebody and I'll sit here all day if I have to. <laughs> okay. We talk a lot of football with the guys. There's no doubt, but we always kind of dive in a little bit 
and there's always a famous response to the two questions I'm about to ask that we got um, from somebody, and, and we always joke about it. When, A, when you're getting ready for a game, who are you listening to? Mm-hmm. What are you listening to? Mm-hmm. And B, or two, I can't remember how I started that, give us an old school flavor that you like too. All right. So uh, before the game, it's kind of weird. My, my, my uh, process is a little bit different. I try to, um, as soon as I get there, obviously, we're, you know, you're getting undressed from your, your outdoor clothes and getting, tra- uh, getting transformed into your, 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 your warm up gear. And I guess I'll put a lot more upbeat music right there to kind of get me in the zone to walk out, you know, go in the tunnel, go and warm up for pregame. And then when I get out there, surprisingly, I listen to a lot of slow music because, you know, uh, my, the slower music kind of like, I don't want to get too hyped before the game because then the, the jitters get there and then you, you kind of too amped up, you start sweating and you need an IV and this and that. You don't want to be uh, worked out before the game even starts. So, yeah, I'll turn a little slow music on. Um, and then, it's, of course, when I, when I put the pads on and go back out uh, before the main actual uh, finale of the game, uh, I turn on a lot, a lot more upbeat music than I really get in my zone. Um, but to the second part, uh, the slow music that I am listening to is, is usually a combination. It's most times either gospel or I like some mint condition a little bit. So mint condition back then is, is my mom, she's a huge mint condition uh, fan. So um, Breaking My Heart was, was one of the first songs that I ever heard from them. And literally, I play that dang there every time I, before I step on the field, just so I can just relax, kind of get in a groovy feel in a sense too, because it, it, it's really just about challenging, challenging channeling your inner your inner rage to get going you know kind of just kind of taming it at the same time while also like okay i'm ready to go and and that just gets me my zone it's, it's one of those weird things that i i've been doing for a while i love music love to sing love to do all those things so it just this is one of those that i like to uh keep them in the back of my head and it keeps me humble down all right one more for you what advice would you have for the pre-draft athlete this year because we're still living through the pandemic and everything and you just went through it a year ago and we said you had the combine, but obviously right. now things are different. And we're going to have some new Texans come draft time. So what advice do you have for the pre-draft college athlete? Honestly, don't, don't, don't get too high and don't get too low. Um, it, it, this, this opportunity is an is opportunity that, you know, not many are able to see. Um, but, the, but the main thing I want them to understand is this is just a ticket just to get your foot in the door. This is not anything after this point is not guaranteed. When you get here, it don't matter if you're first, second, third round or undrafted at all. Um, you're gonna have to work just like the guy next to you. You have to, you have to literally beat the next guy here with you. So it's a fun time. Enjoy it. It's, a, it's gonna be a lot of dreams coming true. It was definitely one for me to get drafted. Um, but definitely, it, it, and, and my girlfriend always says it too. It's kind of like, or my mom as well. Is when I got drafted, I was so excited. But that next day coming, I was just kind of like, okay, what's next? Because it's kind of like, I'm, I'm, I, that was cool for me. But at this time, I'm always looking forward because that's how this game is. So you have to always be thinking ahead of the next person. You always got to just be um, just eternal thinkers because it's, this game is about evolving and, and making, sure you're, you're taking, making sure you're a step ahead of the next person. So um, definitely don't get too high. Don't get too low. Um, and anything that y'all get, hit it 110% and hit the ground running because it's going to be nothing but work. <laughs> nothing but work. Well, Jonathan, thanks so much for spending some time with us today. We look forward to catching up soon. All right. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, John, for having me. Well, it's our pleasure, John. Thank you for joining in. That was really good stuff. Also good stuff, the In the Lab Ultimate Draft comes to a conclusion. We'll have a snippet of it. Not the full thing, but a snippet of it next right here on Texans All Access.
Welcome to Texans All Access. We are brought to you in part by Apache Corporation. Nearly 3 billion people worldwide live in energy poverty, meaning they lack access to reliable electricity or clean cooking fuels. The natural gas and oil produced by companies like Apache Corporation help power cleaner electricity, enable access to food, education, and healthcare, and connect us to those we love. We are committed to providing the energy the world needs and to elevating families across the globe to higher standards of living. Learn more at ApacheCorp.com. That's ApacheCorp.com. Now here's the show. We got one final segment this Wednesday edition of Texans All Access. And something I didn't even mention. It's a draft Wednesday. So that means it's time for our In the Lab Ultimate Draft, Episode 4. Last episode, Who is Mr. Irrelevant? Well, you won't find out here, but you will if you listen to the full podcast. Go check out HoustonTexas.com or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, Tune in, Stitcher, iTunes, however you get your podcast. That's where you can go get it. Subscribe to it. Give us a good rating. And Drew and I will come to your house and cook a barbecue for you. Well, I mean, we would. Uh, That gets kind of expensive, and I don't know that we could do that. But uh, we would like to. Either way, here we go. Part four. Drew's got the first pick. I'm picking okay. first today. You are. And I'm going to stay local. You already took J.J. Watt smartly from the Texans. That was a great choice. I did. I'm going with Dre. Andre Johnson is my choice. He's my Texan. I don't need to explain to anyone on here, but he's pairing up nicely with my other wide receiver. I only have one other wide receiver right now, and that's Calvin Johnson. So good luck defending those two. Especially with all the weapons that are going to be around Andre Johnson and the offensive line that's going to be blocking for the running backs playing with Andre Johnson. I have a feeling Andre Johnson, he, he was a guy who got butt naked wide open time and time and time and time and time, and time again. He's going to do that with this team too. Well, I like, I like the way you put that. Um, a little, little graphic for some out there, but <laughs> I like the way you put that. I have no problem with that. And I am going to seemingly follow you up, Drew with the theme of Houston. Oh. Because I'm drafting Houstonian. Okay. Well, he played his college ball in the city of Houston. Now, when people hear that, they immediately think, oh, University of Houston. I know where Oh, Rice. Mm-hmm. Ah, no. You're beefing up your pass rush. S-U stands for Texas Southern. And I need a New York Giant. And I, as great as the Giants franchise has been, there are a lot of different ways that I, you could have gone here. But I, I took my, LT early. I took LT did. second pick. And I gave some consideration to Harry Carson. Even though I like my three linebackers, the Carson was a little bit of a thumper. He ended up making the Hall of Fame eventually. thought about Emlyn Tunnell, who was one of the great corner returners. But I thought, man, the longevity, the greatness of Michael Strahan was too much to pass up. So – my first pick in the fourth round, fourth day, is going to be from Texas Southern University, giant, great Hall of Famer, Michael Strahan. It's tough to argue about that. Yeah. I mean, that's – So now I've got on my defensive line, my outside guys are Strahan, Smith, Von Miller at outside linebacker, depending on how I want to use him. And then J.J. Watt, depending on how I want to use him. Aaron Donald is inside with Cortez Kennedy. I feel like I got size, I got speed, I got explosiveness, I got versatility. I feel good about my defensive line. I feel strong about that group. Thus you got far. lots of stuff you can do. That's for sure. Yeah. And I don't think I'm done yet, but uh, yeah, I'm not sure. 
You know, we were talking about the Bengals earlier, yeah. and I'm going to take my Bengal. And I got to admit, I had to look, I had to look deep into the Bengals' history because <laughs> yes. when I think of the Bengals, I think of Munoz. I think of you know Ken Anderson, Boomer Esiason, good quarterbacks, not the guys yes. I want. Andy Dalton too, not the guys I want leading my team. Icky Woods, loved him. He had a great year in 88, but the shuffle not going to go there. Okay. Uh, defensively, you know, they have, they've had some really solid guys that have been pro bowlers, all pros over the last decade or two. I was tempted. I just said no, but I'm going to go to the secondary. The guy who's fifth or fourth on the all time interceptions career NFL, not yes. Bengals career interceptions list. He played a long time, late sixties through the early eighties. He was a corner. He could be my uh, fifth or sixth guy coming off the bench, helping out guarding your Jerry Rice, Randy Moss combo. We'll go with Ken Riley. He's, yes. my, uh, he's my corner. So, Ken Riley. Rattler. Yeah, he's a Rattler from Florida A&M. I love it. It's great. Yeah. I mean, if you want to give me some more or give the folks out there a more of a background, but he has 65 career picks. That's pretty good. But if you know anything else – I'm always... you know, one of the things, one of the things about the the NFL that was that was interesting and really helped the growth of the NFL was the rise of drafting HBCU players, historically black college universities, yeah. and that was a big big thing in the AFL. That was massive in the AFL to start. It was the Raiders. Um, they did a number of Steelers did that. They had a, they had a Scott actually who's going in the Hall of Fame this year, a guy by the name of Bill Nunn. Uh, they went out and found. The guy at Alabama A&M named John Stallworth. You know, they found players at those universities. And one of the better HBCUs in that time was Florida A&M. And Ken Riley played for Florida A&M, was a tremendous player for them for a long time, went to the Bengals, had a tremendous career with the Bengals. I think he played the entire career with the Bengals. He did. And he was, he was kind of Namdi Asamoa before Namdi Asamoa. That, he, was that kind of, he was that kind of player. He was a really good player. Um, I have a connection to Florida A&M. Um, that's probably my favorite because my quarterback, who I, I was very close with, um, he went and played for Florida A&M. And his dad was at Florida A&M just after Ken Riley and won the first ever national championship at Florida A&M when he was a quarterback. So um, Albert Chester and Albert Chester II, those two um, are, are very close to me. And, and so Florida A&M, I, you know, whenever and, – and plus, the marching Rattler 100 – and that green and orange is kind of a unique combination. But when you yeah. see it, you're like, yeah. So I love any mention of Florida A&M that we can have on the show. It's kind of, yeah, and nice. he, like I said, he's not a household name. No. But I feel perfectly fine looking yes. at what his body of work Absolutely. is. Absolutely. Yeah, he's, he's one of the most valuable players in Bengals franchise history. When it comes, if like the, the – that's basically the, the pro football reference yes. definition of war as baseball's yeah. war. It's, it's this A.V. He's up there. Anyways, your yeah. turn. You're picking. No and you know what he is, Drew? You know what he is? I picked Larry Wilson of the Cardinals. And people are going to hear Larry Wilson like, whoa, wait a second. They Larry Wilson is guy's number. great. Yeah. yeah. He's one of the greats of all time. But you're, a lot of people won't know him just because he played at that, in that period. Ken Riley is that, that play. Ken Riley is, that, is your Larry Wilson, basically. Gotcha. A great player that not a lot of people know about. Now, I'm going to a great player I think a lot of people do know. I got to bolster my corner position. My two safeties I feel very, very good about. And that's Larry Wilson, Ed Reed. Well, my corner, I only have Daryl Green, which, by the way, there was a Peyton Places episode the other day that had Daryl Green in it because they were talking about speed. It was really, really good. Yeah. And it got me feeling even better about my pick of Daryl Green. But I got to bolster that position. So I'm going to the Steelers. And, Oof. man, there are a lot of different ways to go. Here, man. Yes. And 
and at that position, too. And that's what I'm saying. Yeah. But I went with Rod Woodson. Yeah. Because with Woodson, I get a little bit of return skills as well. So I get that covered. Now, I, I feel like – He can play safety, good, Yeah. He can play a lot of different places. He can play safety. When he was with the Steelers, he played corner. He was one of the best corners to ever live. Then he transitioned to safety, and he kind of was one of the first to start that corner to safety transition and being successful. But at corner, he was unbelievable. And at Purdue, when he was in college, he actually played both ways. So I love guys that can do that. And I went with Woodson over Mel Blunt, even though Mel Blunt changed the game and didn't even really know it. Mel Blunt was the size of a linebacker playing corner. I just felt like I get a little bit of extra, as Mark likes to say, lanyap with Woodson because he does have the return game in addition. So I'm going Rod Woodson to star opposite Derek Green. Soup tonight, there's Lanyap. That's uh, that's my bad Mark Vandermeer impersonation. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, Lanyap and soup tonight are two word like phrases he always brings up, and I'm like, well, what, what's that mean? And last house on yeah. the left. I've never been last like, house on the left. I've never heard about? that, but it, I get it now, and it makes a lot of sense. He says it about like three times a year, and I'm always yeah. like, what? anyways. Okay, uh, that'll be that'll be a podcast for another time. <laughs> Okay, I don't have I don't have a player from Washington. Oh, man. do I want to get a hog? Do I want to get uh, one of those guys from you know the Super Bowl run, three time Super Bowl champs in the '80s, early '90s? No, I'm going to go with an absolute legend, legend of the game. They've got a, an award named after him. He was a movie star. He played. This is kind of like. He's basically the golden boy, your golden boy, Paul Horning, before Paul Horning, and he was even more of a star. Slinging Sammy Baugh from wow. Rokin, Texas, out in West Texas. So he won, you know, passing titles. He won, as a rookie, he won the passing title and an NFL championship with Washington. In 1943, though, he led the league in passing yards interceptions because he played safety played both ways and punting so i've got my punter here yeah and if my quarterback who i'm going to pick a little bit later if he ever gets in trouble ever gets uh you know injured sammy's going to bring us home sammy's going to play quarterback but at the very least he's going to punt he can maybe fill in as a, as a de defensive back sammy ball is my washington pick and he goes at 27th for me that my friends is a very very I, I, that's a great pick. Just the versatility that he brings. And the, the one key you mentioned was Sammy Ball was one heck of a – I mean, he's known for his pinpoint passing. The old story goes, coach told him to hit a wide receiver in the eye, and he said, which eye? I mean, he was, he was, <laughs> tremendous. He was tremendous. But he was one heck of a defensive back. I mean, incredible defensive back. All right, and I'm staying with the defensive back theme because I need a Raider. Yep, that's right. I went with a Raider on day four. Who was it? Well, you have to go check out the podcast because that's going to do it for tonight's show. Big thanks to Mark, to Drew, and of course to our good friend John Grenard. Looking forward to a big year two from JG number 52. Appreciate him for stopping by. Appreciate you guys for listening. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. And as always, go Texans.